We're going to join NATO. Here we go. Let's see. We're going to get a little uh, music for the audience if I can get my little. Come here, little thing. Get in the right spot. There it is. Tax the rich, feed the poor. change this old world it's a change and right in front of us we try and maybe steer it if we can guide it a little bit in our direction and we get a little success doing that and uh, anyway that's what we try to do and we try to inform folks about all that stuff here on our two-hour get-together weekdays at the euro folk radio network where we're happy to be associated with these fine folks uh roger sales is your host it's the friday edition it is date stamped that evil date friday the 13th may the 13th of 22 and as luck would have it on friday the 13th one of the rare times in all these seven years or more brent and i've been doing friday shows is uh mr winters is stranded somewhere out on the road traveling and cannot make it to a, a wi-fi spot so he is not going to be with us today that has not happened it's happened a handful of times over seven years but not much more than that generally it's my fault uh we missed a couple of weeks here a few years back with my foot stupid foot accident uh when i was in the hospital and all that but uh, and then we've missed a couple of days when brent had this big uh big trial uh, that was uh, a financial he was suing banks for a guy they stole all the guy's money he's a black guy and uh they stole all his money and he got brent to represent him and the judge kept flipping it was during covid so they were doing you know zoom zoom dates and zoom trials and, and anyway so they moved it kept moving the hearing because the judge was having to handle it and juggle with some other cases and uh he'd keep moving it to friday so uh, a couple of times we had the show on thursday but uh, we did miss a couple of days there so that's an unusual occurrence when brent in with us and uh but i told him and promised him we would trudge on so and that's what we'll do good morning guys and girls and uh we'll use our, hey, our usual show yes is that uh, is that wayne no it's just john from Utah. oh hey john kind of sound like wayne just a little bit i heard how you doing this morning <laughs> fantastic i Good. assume everyone else is doing that well i, hope, I sure yeah, hope so the... there's a lot of people that aren't but i'd like to think our folks are so go ahead yeah anyway i was reflecting back you know we're about the same age and and uh and i'm sure there's a few people that are not far behind us but um you know the talk about the youth and the folly of youth and so forth and uh what came to my mind was just a, a memory when i was you know in my early 20s and there was this song that was actually based on the, the melody of a a russian folk song and i guess they readapted words in that but it was called those were the days oh yeah oh yeah, Mar- yeah mary something or another and to listen through it now you know it's such a perspective in reality warp yes you know where that came from Uh, somebody correct me if i'm wrong i believe that came from the movie fiddler on the roof i didn't i don't know that 
You know what Fiddler Fiddler on the Roof is about Jews. Yeah. Oh, I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't oh, remember yeah. seeing yeah. the movie, but I believe that's where it's come from. Anybody uh, got a connection for that? Is that right? But that's a great song, man. And you know, there's something about Jewish music. They have some really haunting, haunting melody lines and stuff. They do a lot of stuff. It seems like like that is. It seems like that's in a minor key. And my experience with music over a lifetime, professionally, and many years of it, uh, was that it's the you know the songs that you always keep singing in the shower the ones that always stick with you you know many of those and the ones that always grabbed me the deepest were always in minor keys there's something about minor key songs that just really appealing to me i don't know if it's to other folks or not but that's kind of what that sounds like to me that song i believe that was probably in a minor key uh also it was um years ago uh when neil diamond was still in its earlier phase of his career it was a concert album where he had the whole audience singing Amanagila. Right. Oh, well, he was a Jew. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, and Cracklin' Rosie, remember that Neil Diamond song, Cracklin' Rosie? Oh, yeah. You know yeah. what that was about? No. Oh, I know. Rosé. Oh. <laughs> Okay, so yeah, pretty interesting. Anyway, uh, that was that's a great. I love. I really like going back and listening to, uh, especially there's one of their wonderful uh, and boy, he's very talented. Although he's supposed to be an asshole, uh, a violinist is Yuxak Perlman. Is that uh, whatever his first name is? Perlman. I mean, listen, those guys can whittle on a violin now, okay? And uh, they get into those really high notes where it starts hitting your pineal gland, and you get those chills. I don't know if y'all experience that, but I do with some of that stuff. And, uh, yeah, I really like those those falsetto-type violin uh, solos where they go up into the high registers. Uh, You got anything to add on that, Mr. Music, Jeff? not in particular okay uh so anyway well we're just chewing the fat here without mr winters um i had something come across my desk last night that i thought was very interesting it is pertinent to uh the topics we've discussed this week and one that's even i got an email with somebody requesting information that mentioned it in her email uh which is this upcoming treaty vote they're uh, in total secret here in another week or 10 days over there in switzerland uh, and somebody sent me a um, an email last night with a news story, and I haven't seen anything about it or heard about it, but it said that the Senate has blocked this $40 billion Ukraine bill. Has anybody seen that? I think I saw mention of that, yeah. Okay, well, I, I, listen, that's very encouraging, all right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, look, there's Mr. Harvey here. Yeah, bud, how you doing? Hey, reporting aboard. Okay, uh, good. Yeah, I saw that uh, Ted Cruz has blocked it in the Senate. Okay, so and, well, well, that's very encouraging. Let me finish. And I want to hear what you got to say about it. But that this okay. is what that leads to is this uh, this treaty thing that they're voting on in secret, where nobody knows who the delegates are and nobody can read the crap they're voting on, and it can be amended over there in their. I don't know how many days, whatever days it is, they're in, in seclusion over there doing treachery. Uh, and then when they bring it back, usually if there's a treaty, there's an 18-month uh, uh, back out uh, window, and they've shortened it to six months with this treaty. And then I was reminded uh, last night that to 
ratify a treaty it's the senate of course that does that and the only body that votes votes on treaties and personally i've thought for many years as this hit me a while back that that's one of the reasons they forced the 17th amendment through they knew what they're going to do with this stuff 100 years ago 150 years ago okay I, i'm i'm absolutely positive they had it all planned out okay from the early 1800s pretty much all right but when they get that over here one of the things that i did hear somebody say is that they're trying to set it up where they can see if they can get this thing ratified without being voted on by the senate now i don't know how the hell they're going to pull that off okay it's enough that they're pulling it off with the senate but now they're going to try and avoid the senate why because it takes two-thirds ratification if they can't eat if the senate can stop this 40 billion dollar ukraine deal you know damn well they can stop this treaty okay and so they're going to have to really do a lot of bribing getting you know getting senators caught with little boys or dead little girls or something uh to see if they can get them to get this okay so i feel a little bit better about that today harvey what were you going to add buddy well i don't know the senate rules you know uh, or the parliamentary procedures or what have you but uh Ted Cruz objected to the passage of this $40 billion, uh, uh, I'll just say, aid. Uh, I won't try <laughs> it's to. It's aid to rich, to, to rich, to satanic Jewish billionaires. It's aid to them. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, you know, the old joke that foreign aid is, uh, is uh, money paid by poor people in rich companies countries to rich people in poor countries uh, <laughs> now, satan sandbox ain't too poor but go ahead yeah 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 but uh but anyhow uh Cruz objected and those uh, uh the remaining republican castrati uh just sat there so chucky schumer said well it will this will delay it, but it won't stop it. Well, delay sometimes is good enough. Uh, Chucky wants his cut, too, you know. Yeah, that's right, that maggot. Oh, uh, God, he's a slimy piece of crap. Yeah, I remember the night of 9-11, the Speaker of the House was B- Borner? He had an unusual name. Boehner. Boehner. They they call it Boehner. Okay. And the night, remember 9-11, that night when they were voting the Patriot Act through, which they tried to get through before and couldn't, and now they bring it back, and and Boehner had to go over to the Senate and get Schumer to calm down because he was so ecstatic and happy and pleased and jubilant. Had to go over in the Senate time. Don't do that. You're you're showing us our, our hand here. Well, I mean, what a slime bag piece of crap. Well, he was raised in a bar. Uh, isn't that what his family owned was a bar? I have no idea. Yeah. I don't know too much Boehner. about his background. Oh, Boehner. I thought you were talking about Schumer. Schumer. Uh, oh, you know what his background is. He was belched. <laughs> he was belched from the grave. Yeah, I just. Uh, but you know this is funny. Back in '93, I believe is when uh, Hurricane Andrew hit uh, South Florida, and I had a remodeling business at the time, and I let uh, you know I, I wrapped up all my 
jobs and two two friends and I went down to to uh, work the hurricane. I'd never done it. Both of them had worked other hurricanes and it just seemed like something fun to that do. That was the one that flattened Homestead, Florida, wasn't it? Boy, didn't it didn't it flatten it, yeah. And uh you don't understand quite how I guess the word is verdant uh Florida is till you see the the uh, all the plants that have been ripped up by the hurricane and dumped in uh just dumped everywhere. It's it's and unbelievable. The, yeah, and then the big uh uh heavy equipment comes to start collecting all this debris and you just go it's a massive massive it's, amount but uh anyhow uh, we were down there we went down there and of course we're all uh nice radical guys uh libertarian mindset and the youngest of us uh, is about well, and he's he's several years younger than I am, and but everybody is. And uh, he said, "There's a guy in the house from New York named Schumer, and this guy is dangerous." Oh yeah. And that was back in '93. He spotted him. Uh, I think he had just recently been elected. I, I don't know, but uh, uh, but but Keith's uh, principal concern was uh, gun control, and Schumer was all over oh, gun control. Yeah, they've been all over gun control. That's one of the things they've still not gotten accomplished. It's really going to going to come back and bite them because that's the that's the one. If it, if it wasn't for the guns, we'd already done been in complete tyranny like Russia was. I mean, oh, yeah. honestly, okay, and they're not going to get them, and there's too many people wise to them, and too many people that are starting to get wise to what we're doing, where it really, really puts the onus on them, because now they got none of this fake authority they can hide. Um, you know what? Uh, what? Or I, one of the things I really hate about living in Florida is these damn hurricanes. Okay. Oh, yeah. oh, they're they're a nightmare. Okay, and the year I moved from Atlanta back home there in two hundred three, we had five hurricanes that were in the Gulf, and all of them were supposed to hit Panama City, and every one of them went another direction. But that doesn't mean you don't have to get ready for it. And then after yep. they veer off, you got to go get unready. Okay, and it's just yep. a gigantic pain in the butt. But this one that hit our area there three four years ago, Michael. The yeah. real, real strong one that just demolished uh, little, little uh, Port St. Joe and all the Mexico Beach, especially there, just a little ways down from us. But there in our family home, uh, the home sits about. It's a very unusual lot in Florida because it's it's on the water. It's on a bayou, brackish, which means half fresh and half salt water. That's just about a mile down from the intercoastal. Okay, so uh, but it's twenty feet above the water. The lot has a long sloping hill, 20 feet down to where the bayou is, you know. And on that slope, it's very sandy soil, you know. And uh, on that slope, we had these trees called, we call them scrub oaks. 
they're not big oaks they're you know they're oaks but they're just a dwarf oak and they don't look like a tree they look like a they do but not not as you'd think of an oak tree okay you, you'd think of them as a bush more kind of a big bush but, all right yeah. and uh and the the michael's wind ripped the scrub oaks out of the ground by the roots Good night. Okay. Uh, unbelievable damage that it did there in that area, and they're still recuperating around Bay County from it. So, anyway, just a personal experience. Hurricanes, man. Sure. Oh, I hate those things. Well, uh, at least you don't have snow. Well, I don't have any of that here. We got a few <laughs> earthquakes. I had one. We had one the other night. Actually, it must have been close because it, it had an ex- it had a sound with it when it started. Like you, you know, it must have been close. You could hear the fault uh slipping or something and then we had a little one rumble through uh but we don't have them often but we got them occasionally and i hope we don't have any volcanoes or any of that stuff happening uh but but it's possible you know so we'll see all right the the i remember when i was down in further in the continent down there in argentina and i had a friend in uh, because i spent a bunch of time in uruguay and uruguay's a Uruguay's a nice little country, actually. Um, but my friend over there, who's Uruguayan, spoke perfect English. His daddy was a carpet engineer, and he'd actually grown up all over the world, but spent a lot of time in the U.S., graduated from dental school out in Los Angeles. But one thing he told me about Uruguay that was fascinating to me, it still sticks with me, they have no natural disasters in Uruguay. None. Really? None. Maybe, I guess, floods, potentially, but outside of that, no natural disasters. They've also got underneath Uruguay is one of the biggest, freshest uh, aquifers in the world. And that's the aquifer when Bush sent the girls down to buy that land in Paraguay. Oh, yeah. That was the aquifer. That land was sitting right directly above. That's why they bought it. Okay. And that is some of the best water you've ever passed your lips, man. They just bottle it straight out of the aquifer there and sell it with nothing in it. It's excellent. And uh, Monte de Veo is a neat town, and Uruguay is a uh, – I didn't get to the interior of the country. I know I was telling somebody uh, when I first got down there about how living in Argentina is like living in the States in the 50s. And that's a very good description for many parts of the rural areas. And uh, yeah. somebody was telling me, say – if you go to the inside of Uruguay, it's like living in the 30s. <laughs> but well, then on the other side, that. they've got my, the Miami Beach of South America there. Just above Monte de Veo, about oh, 60 kilometers, is a place called Punta del Este, which is the Miami Beach of South America. And they say that you can buy an apartment down there and totally pay the entire year's rent by just renting it in January and February no joke yeah no it's a real you know hot spot thong bikinis and all that stuff uh all the the wealthy from all over the continent go down there sometime in those two months so anyway interesting down here sorry to get off on all this stuff folks but it's a little different conversation um does anybody have anything really pertinent on what we normally discuss they'd like to bring forward i don't want to just whittle away the whole hour on on extemporaneous stuff like hurricanes in south america yeah, Roger, maybe a little bit. All right, good. Who are we speaking with? This is Mike in Nebraska. How oh, hey, you? Mike. Good. Hi. Hey, thanks Thanks for your input the other day. But, yeah, I was thinking of taking a regular job, and uh, I thought there was something like uh, a W or an 8-8 Ben or something uh, form. Uh, what do you say to the employer to make yourself exempt? or Well, you, if, you're – 
uh, you can take whatever paperwork you want to give him and write federal uh, exempt from federal taxation on it and then give them a, a copy of the affidavit in your file and the reason you're doing that is this mike no employer on the face of the earth is going to fight your irs battle for you they're 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 more scared of them than you are okay and so what you got to do is give them some defense and this is your decision and then they've got a copy of the affidavit so if the irs comes back at them and says what do you mean he's federally tax exempt well here's a copy of this affidavit he gave me oh okay Okay, so don't fill out a W-4 or whatever or write exempt on the W-4. I, that's what I would do, or else give them that little form I sent you. What, a, a W-4-V? Yeah, right. Uh, okay, and down there at the bottom, I think it's number seven, if memory prevails. Number seven says exempt from federal taxation. Right, and does that also have them so they don't have to pay your Social Security anymore as well? Or do you know? No, it shouldn't do that because you're not out of Social Security exactly yeah okay now if you've already got 40 quarters in there that may be a, a, a something to consider but you're gonna have to do the legwork and research on that yeah i've already got all that in so my social security set i'm just not claiming it for a okay while. well then tell them to hold tell them to stop to withholding fica too well, yeah, and I think they would probably love that because they have to pay a portion correct of that. half of it was it seven and a half percent or something yeah it's a it's a it's an outrageous amount yeah well thanks roger i just okay. want to clear that up all right mike hey, yeah well my, my pleasure and you know again I'm, i've got a disclaimer here that all that form crap and it's not my ballywick it's not my expertise so you know but i think that's uh the suggestions that we just covered i believe are correct i just hate hey, roger, it all I have a question. okay good somebody's got a question who's that Hey, my name's uh, Terry on Texas. Hey, Terry. Terry from Texas. What part of Texas? Uh, the Panhandle. Okay. All right, so I had heard you on Sarah Westall's show here a week or so ago. Yes, sir. You and you and countless others. <laughs> okay. All right. And I'm, I'm a little bit confused. I, I have been listening to uh, David Strait. Oh well, I can understand why you. Then I can understand. Then I can understand why you're confused. Go ahead, Terry. <laughs> okay. Well, it, what confused me is he wrote the prologue in your book. No, he didn't. And, no, 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 no. His, Terry, <laughs> not the same David Strait. Okay. Okay. That's what I'm trying to figure out because he. He's going from the direction of repudiating citizenship, which I don't think there's anything wrong with that, to be a state national. Uh, well, how can you how can you see it? How can you repudiate your citizenship when a national is a citizen of the United States of America? What are you repudiating? Right, that's what confusing me is. You know, I go into eight FAM five hundred five number seven or eight on endorsements in the passport. And the, the barrier is the United States national, not a United States citizen. Hold it. It also says right there on 09 you're talking about that it's also a non-citizen yes. national. What about that? Well, 
and I haven't seen the non-citizen national. But somewhere I've on that fam, on that fam, on that fam uh, document, it says it says national, and then at the bottom it says non-citizen national. Do you know there's a difference there, Terry? I don't believe David Strait knows this. Oh, right there, non-citizen U.S. national. You know? Do you know there's a difference between those two? Well, it, now it says prior to the creation of this endorsement in 1992. The bearer's status as a non-citizen U.S. national was indicated by circling the word national or crossing out the word citizen yep. in the secretary's message on the signature page. Okay, so, so I don't says they do that anymore. They today. don't. Okay, now here's, what, here's what's going on. I'm going to try and uh, – the problem with Anna Von Wrights and David Strait and these other folks, they're teaching – everybody's got part of the puzzle. Some people got more of it than others. Okay, but the big okay. part both of those two are missing is they don't know the system they're fighting. They think they're fighting okay. constitutional systems. They're not. They're fighting feudalism and the feudal system, and they don't understand that. That's why they go off on all this convoluted stuff with 32-page affidavits when I can do it with one page and one sentence, straight from a State Department policy document, by the way, that I can point you to. Okay, so that's the big difference. And as my teacher that's still living, Glenn Ambort, told us, told me a while back, and it's really true. I've thought about it a lot, mentioned it a number of times on the show. If you don't understand you're fighting the feudal system, you'll never do anything but shadow box with it because you don't understand what you're fighting. Now we understand here that that's the system that we're in. So all you have to do is go back and learn a little bit about the system and find out where the remedy is. Because in the feudal system, there was two types of serfs, voluntary and involuntary. They can't put you in involuntary servitude. That's akin to black slaves after the Civil War. Okay, So they they put you in a status called voluntary servitude. This is why they're asking you those two questions your whole life. Are you a citizen? the united states are you a resident and terry and everybody else not knowing and understanding what they're asking you because they're coded questions answer yes and sign something and now you're voluntarily giving them your consent to their fraud which they perpetrated on you at birth okay so i I mean all right now that you know it's a voluntary servitude and you know it's a feudal system the remedy's right there it's easy and you see how they recognize it they got to recognize it because this is their system right okay okay all right so on the passport that you got did you get the barry is the united states national no i don't i've i've never had a passport card and we weren't even aware of this document you're referring to until fairly recently uh you know i did my first one of these in 2007 all right when i when i saw the answer i was moving to argentina come hell or high water I had to have a passport to do that. I was very apprehensive about interfacing with the federal government, just like everybody else is, because they've instilled all this fear and terrorism in you. And so reluctantly, I went to the post office, grabbed both those forms, original and renewal, came back to the house, put the feet up on the desk and started reading it. And I'm not kidding you here, Terry, when I tell you this, the answer I'd been looking for for 15 years is at the top of the first page. 
Okay. And right then, so I knew I had them because I saw the word affidavit in the warning box. All right. There's a warning box in the instructions on your on your passport. You probably didn't even notice it when you got one or, or applied for one. And it says warning in big bold letters. You can attach documentation, comma, including affidavits, comma, but you better not lie or we're going to hit you with these seven or eight sections of the United States Code. They don't they don't tell you why you can submit documents or an affidavit. They just tell you you can. Okay, but I understood this feudal system and I understood the importance of the passport because I'd been told many years before if I'd been smarter years before I had this light a lot sooner. Uh, the secretary of state of Florida, I wrote a letter to him asking him for a letter to tell to state I was a Florida state citizen. And he wrote back and said, I can't do that because the secretary of state of the United States has final authority over all matters concerning citizenship. So when I sat down to look at that well, affidavit, that. that passport af- uh, application right at the top, it says secretary of state of the United States of America passport application and then back then the very first thing at the top of the first page underneath that was that warning box they move it around now they hide it you know uh but right then when i saw secretary of state it it connected me to that letter and that statement and when i saw the warning box saying you can submit documentation i said hell i got them okay so that is your get out of jail free card all right now, we've got a gal, okay. I don't know if Dawn's with us today. Dawn is one of our newer students. She came on about last October, November or something, and she's done a, a lot of work in this, set up a Telegram channel and all this stuff, and she's in a pissing match, a urinating battle, if you will, excuse me, uh, uh, with the State Department because she thinks just what you read there, said it said prior to 1992, didn't it? Prior to 1992, we used to do this. Well, they're not doing it anymore. So what would they put there under that nationality, which would connotate and denote a state citizen national or national, I just call it. So I'm going to quiz you a little bit here, Terry. What would they put there that would represent that? This is where you need to learn. Instead of circling the word. Yeah, right, national, non-citizen national. Yeah. Well, here, I'll tell you. I'll I'll quit playing games with you because I know you don't know. They'd put USA. Because, see, USA is a national, but U.S. is a federal citizen. Okay, that here. And where would they put that? They put it somewhere on your card. I've never even seen a passport card. Never held one. I've seen some pictures of them, but somewhere there's a nationality statement on the passport card, which is all we ever suggest people get. If you need to get a booklet because you're going to travel internationally, go ahead and pay for it. But uh, if you're going to like renew or get a passport, you're only you don't have to spend that much money. You can get thirty dollars and you get a card, and the card is where you'll really see all of those nomenclature identifications you're talking about. We've had people on here with 77, which is an ambassador at large. We've had people come on here with the number that identifies them as a diplomatic courier. Uh, we've had people getting their return receipt requested uh, green slip back lately with, with a stamp on it saying this is, went to the ambassadorial mailbag and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, we, we, we get confirmation of it and I get, I constantly get occasionally, I should say, emails say, well, how do you verify this? Cause you know, people, I know you find this hard to believe Terry, but people don't trust the federal government. 
And uh, so I say, well, <laughs> my friend Harvey was a perfect example. Harvey says, I was talking to a minute ago, Harvey says, well, I don't trust the son of a bitches. And I said, well, you got every right not to. Okay. But by and large, my experience over many years of doing this, 11 years now, okay, helping people understand this, and me too, okay, is that once you get this, hey, you can submit documentation, once that gets into the bureaucratic chain, like it would with an, an application for a passport, or if you just send one without a passport application to the State Department to administrative records, once it enters the bureaucratic chain, those bureaucrats know what they're supposed to do, and generally, and by far the most part over all these years, they do things correctly. Now, I understand people are apprehensive, and what I tell people is this. One thing you've already seized on, which is that document that lists the numbers and their codes. So you can take your passport card and go back and search that and see if it's there. The other way, if you want a little more foolproof way, is you got to wait a little bit and give them time to operate. And you were still under the COVID dehabilitations, obviously, uh, is wait a little bit and do a FOIA request, Freedom of Information Act request, for your administrative file. That is our object, is to get that affidavit in your administrative file. Because once it's in there, okay. you're free. And once it's in there, should any of them try and screw with you? And like, you know, the question is, what do you do if they take you to court, right? Well, first of all, you're probably not going to be in court because all their laws are for these other people that you're not one of them anymore, okay? And if they should step out of their administrative responsibilities, delegated responsibilities, that that would be stepping outside because they're trying to prosecute somebody they don't have jurisdiction over, right? Once they got into that courtroom, you can bring that affidavit in because it's in the secretary's possession and it bypasses all the rules of evidence and they can't keep it out. And they okay. do not want right, this so information. Hold, let me finish. They do not want this information in any kind of courtroom setting. And we've already experienced that from an incident where it got put in by a moving party against one of our people. And they were accusing him of being a sovereign citizen and all that. It was an ex-wife and a child custody battle. And he started reading because the moving party had entered it into the paperwork. Okay, so they he now it's in in the in the proceedings. He pulls out the affidavit when he's on the stand and starts reading it, and the judge goes, "Don't read that document in this courtroom." So there you go. Okay, <laughs> So on the passport card, I all right, hold on. You're clipping. You're clipping a little bit, Terry. I want to be able to understand with the audience too exactly what you're asking. So. Turn turn okay. your back to the wind or whatever, and see if we can get a good signal. Let's get your question heard. Okay, so on the passport card I am holding it says nationality. USA. All right, well that's on a national. The place of birth. The place of birth says Texas, comma U period period A period. Okay, well let me explain to you where this is coming from. In the first 70 years of the country, up to up before the 14th Amendment, there was only one status. It's replete in all the old court cases, okay? There was only one status, and that was a state citizen. You didn't have a federal citizenship up to the Civil War. It was a big problem for them because people that were born and raised in D.C. and the territories were not only not 
citizens of the United States of America because they weren't citizens of a state, but they couldn't become a citizen of the nation without anything short of an amendment to the Constitution. That's the 13th and the 14th Amendment void they drove this whole thing into. Okay, so before they had a second citizenship, excuse me, before they had a second federal citizenship, they had the state citizenship. So if you were a citizen of the state, you were automatically a citizen of the nation, the United States of America. And so that's a national citizenship, isn't it? Yes, that's where the term national comes from. Now, they tagged it. So if it's got United States of America, you're automatically a state citizen by default. Okay. You you understand that? Yes. Okay, good. Well, then you understand understand why they got U.S. Now you understand why they got USA on all this stuff. And see, Dawn wants them to have national on there. So she's in this urinating match with them. We'll see how it turns out. I don't think she's going to prevail. But I think that the USA designation on there is representative of the state citizenship. Okay. Well, I I had actually done an affidavit, plus I had done a – under the acts and conditions, I had it done an attachment for that also. Oh, you did you get caught smuggling it. drugs or something? No, but if you read that, it says if you don't mark through those things, Mm-mm. then you're meant to be in that. Now, hey, look, look at the back, look at the oath. This is what you want to go is look at the oath, okay? In other words, mark through those things. Yeah, they things. won't let you circle that. No they, no, they won't. They'll they'll say you deforced, defaced government form. We've had that happen, okay? But look at the oath, right. and it's very interesting, and it's extremely revealing. Remember, the State Department has the final authority over all matters concerning citizenship, okay? They've got to, to make this whole scheme constitutional, they've got to put all this stuff in front of you when they have any interaction with you what's one of the rare times that you ever interact with a department of state with a passport application so they have to send that passport application through office of management and budget because of the paperwork reduction act after watergate And they've got to tick all these boxes that you, because the State Department is now interacting with the public at large, general applicability, they've got to meet all this criteria. And part of the criteria is they've got to tell you all this stuff because it's voluntary, right? And they do tell you, but they just don't tell you where you understand it. So let's go back and look at the oath. I swear under penalty of perjury, I'm a citizen of the United States, used to have a parenthesis, or a non-citizen national, close parenthesis, and have not since acquiring United States citizenship, parenthesis, or U.S. nationality, uh, non-citizen nationality. They use the non-citizen here. Okay, uh, close parentheses have not violated any of the acts and conditions listed on page so and so of the instructions. Another set of parentheses. Now get this, unless explanatory statement is attached. Close parentheses. I swear under penalty of perjury, the foregoing is clearly correct. Why would they have and instruct you in the oath to submit a, 
a documentation on violating the acts and conditions where immediately above it are these two citizenship statuses and they don't tell you to submit shit they tell you on the front page of the damn four-page application the warning box which doesn't it tells you can some attached up but it doesn't tell you what for it doesn't say uh, pertaining to your two different statuses in the oath okay you see how they go to these links to hide all this stuff okay yes. so i don't think it's harmful that you marked out anything because what you marked out wasn't on the application what you marked through was in the instructions and those don't count okay? right so i i think that's a non-starter i don't think it has to be done unless you did you know unless you visited bangkok and you were over there boinking little boys or little girls or something you know but um but anyway, that's uh, that's where we are, and this is where I differ from some of these other people that are out there. For instance, Anna Von Wright, since uh, I'm told, because I don't go follow her stuff, all right, but I'm told by other students, we're getting a lot of their students from her, both her and David, um, and uh, they she used to tell people to submit the affidavit, whatever she submits, to the Secretary of State of the state. Well, not the United States. Well, unless he's the Lord of the, because here she doesn't understand it's a feudal system, or she'd know that the Secretary of State of fifty states is not the Lord of the Manor in charge of political status. There's only one, so it's got to be the Secretary of State of the country. And why does he have that responsibility? We got an eighteen thirty five court case talking about this, Terry, and the reason the Secretary of State has got this authority and responsibility is because he's the dude that issues passports and for him to issue you this document which represents you to foreign countries he's got to know what your what your legal personality or your political status is doesn't he so that's why when they passed the federal reserve act in eustace mullins book secrets of the federal reserve he makes the statement the very first cabinet position they went after after the passage hello come on get over the first cabinet office they went after after the passage of the 13th amendment was the state department why in the world would they go after the state department which deals with other countries mainly and not necessarily in the domestic united states of america why would that wouldn't it seem like they'd first go after treasury the money that's what they want well, the State Department was the money because they're responsible for this status deal, and they knew how they were going to set this system up. That's why. Okay. All that right. makes that Terry, makes just, that makes sense to you, Terry. Hold on, Bob. Bob wants to say something. Bob, Robert, what you got? Yeah, going back a couple of minutes when you were talking about the if you're a citizen of the state, you're ergo a citizen of the nation. Ipso facto is the word Chief Justice Story used, but go ahead. Yeah. Well, just to put a little bit finer point on it, and hopefully it won't confuse too many people, and if it does, maybe they can do more research and sort it out, but it, it would be, and I realize they're using the term national. I got that. But it would be better served to understand the differentiation to say that they are a federal citizen because the states originally were nations correct as separate from each other as can as canada was from mexico so for national citizens i.e the state citizens of each individual state to become citizens of the whole if you call them nationals i get that's what they're saying but it kind of muddies the water because they're already a nation of connecticut of georgia of alabama whatever it would be 
more specifically correct to say a federated citizen, a citizen of the Federation of States, i.e. federal citizen, which, of course, they talk about, but they've chosen to call it nationals. So if that confused everybody, do a little research. See, Bob real, Bob's real good about coming in muddy in the water for everybody. <laughs> I like it. It's fun. He loves to grab nits and pick the hell out of them. Best I've seen. That's uh, right. Terry, so do you get this? Do you, anybody confused on this point? Because this is really a critical point here. Okay. Clear as clear or clear as mud? Good. Must be clear as clear. Is that Billy Goat? Who's that? Roger, Daniel. Yeah. Hey, Daniel. Um, how y'all doing? This is awesome. Anyway, I just pulled my um, passport I've had since 16. I did go to Bangkok with my daughter in Japan, whatever. But um, it says um, it says USA, so that means I'm a national. Well, unless there unless it's something internally that they're doing, that's what it means to me, and that's the way I would differentiate those two because I know the technicalities here. So do I, I don't have to redo my um, my passport? Then. Well, you might not have to. You don't have to redo your passport at all. It's just a way to connect your affidavit with something that issued by them that's the highest recognized form of ID, I think, in the country, even over a driver's license, because the federal government gives it to you, and that now is tied to your new political status. That's the reason you want one, okay? So would you redo it anyway? You could if you want to. I'm going to leave that up to you. This is all voluntary, okay? So what you got to do is learn this background, understand it to choose which section you want to volunteer into or what you want to do, okay? Um, uh, we now suggest that people initially, what you may want to do, Daniel, is just get that affidavit, put a short, brief cover letter on it, send it to the Secretary of State. They can't refuse it. And so it's got to go through. It hits the bureaucracy. It eventually gets to your administrative file, and you, it's in there. You're free. You don't have so to have the – they don't have to have the passport there, but it's always good to have the passport that's attached to it. But, you know, i got to leave all this stuff up to you guys because I'm not going to tell you what to do. All right. So what was your comment well, or question? What would, what would you do? <laughs> I would I would do exactly what I'm what we're telling people that we suggest folks to do now, which is initially file that with a cover letter. There's reasons. There's a method to the madness here. I'll go into it in a second if you want further clarification. And then a couple of I and mean, there's no specific. How long do you wait? Well, hell, I don't know. Okay. There's no set answers to this. There ain't a federal manual saying this is how you get out of our system. I hadn't seen that yet, you know. But you want may want to wait until you see the certified return receipt request, you go to the web, put the number in and it's received and signed for at the State Department. You know that, that they've got it then. You wanna you may want to go ahead and start because uh, technically when you put it in the mail system, the post office system, it's their system, and it's considered received the minute you put it in there. Okay? You may want to do that. You may want to wait a couple of weeks after you see it received by the State Department just to let it get filtered through the bureaucracy so it gets to administrative records. And I don't have a concrete answer for that. Okay? Well, I think it's smart to wait to make sure you get certified that that uh, the Secretary of State got it. Yeah, you know, I wouldn't wait till you get the card back because some people waited months and they don't get the return receipt back. And it's like folks have said, you know, that's just one little sheet of paper. The way mail's processed, it might get put in a magazine or a, a, a newspaper slip in there accidentally or something, and you don't get it at all. 
okay so it seems like because of this modern technology we got where we can use it against them it's got a number you plug the number into the post office site and see when they sign for it at the state department right that's what i'm talking about yeah Yeah. okay now after that i i don't know how long to tell you you know but i do think and that we've got a lot of evidence mike's probably on here he'll chime on from birmingham in a minute and tell tell you the story about how he drives around in his old car that he bought cash got a bill of sale for with private tags on it saying private and he gets pulled over there and the cop goes back and only thing he carries is id a lot of feet folks or several anyway the only thing they carry is a passport card they give them the passport card they go back to their police car they run it they come back and say have a nice day you ought to get some insurance on that thing or something and see you later be safe they can't even force you to have insurance they can't if you're not a citizen or a resident because those are all for residents wow see this gets you out of everything that's what people have a real hard time getting their arms around this federal scheme they cooked up okay with the Civil War, get these two amendments in the Constitution, and I'm totally convinced that's why the, the uncivil Civil War was fought, was to accomplish this so these bastards could control the world with it 100 years later. They had this plan laid out back in the early 1800s. Roger, may I? Yes. This, this Matt from California. Hey. Hey, oh, hey, Matt. To, um, add a little something here. Yeah. Hello. Hey, I brought my passport card to the Sonoma County Sheriff's Department in Sonoma County, California, and asked them if they could run it. And they made it very clear that there's absolutely no way that they could run it. And this is the Sheriff's Department. So it is my belief that when people are handing their passport cards, they're not actually running the cards any of these any of these policing agencies. I think they're just they, putting the name in their computer and the name comes up. So could be on the back I, I, of I the can't say that for sure. But on, on the let me just add something here. I'm sorry to interrupt you. On the back of the passport card, we've been told. Keep in mind, I've never even held one in my hand. Okay, uh, it says on the back that you run it through the passbook system. No, There's it's a, called the pass system. The pass system, okay. So thank you, yes, Jeff. Sir. There's a separate system that they can access. They can run that through, evidently, Matt. But they can't run it through normal NCIC stuff. Now, this is what came up last week or week before last with the old the Jewess that used to be was a, was a patriot Jewess gal named Joyce Rosenberg. She's from California. She used to work with a guy, another guy from California named Peter Nice. Either one of those names familiar to you, Matt? No, they're okay. not. Okay. Well, the uh, Rosen, Rosen, whatever her name is, is dead now. I think Peter Neese is still around. I hope so for his sake. Anyway, what she would emphasize, I used to be on with Stat Miller every week for a while, is trying to get this affidavit and this status recognition into the NCIC database. Now, that is a really good goal. And we found out Paget, one of our little type A lionesses from out there in your state, is on with us occasionally, has already got a letter in. The NCIC is run and controlled by the Federal Bureau of Investigation. So she's got some correspondence into them seeing if we can get this status change entered into NCIC where anywhere where you're traveling, it pops up that you're a national. Whether we'll be able to do that or not, as corrupt as those murdering bastards are, I got no idea. Okay. 
But um, I think everybody. I just wanted to say that. I think everybody will admit that they've gone to great lengths to hide this stuff. What were you going to say? Uh, I was just. All right, all right, hold on one at a time. Who was the guy who was trying that's to it, say Roger, That's all I have to say. I just wanted to add that. Okay, thank you, Matt. Now, it's who just, else just was trying to say something? Okay, okay good deal, man. Thank you. Uh, and listen, we're you know this is why I say that we're in a process. There isn't one event. The event is when this information crossed your path. The rest of the time that you're dealing with it, it's a process, okay? And this is part of the process is finding out these answers. How do we find out the answers? We press the envelope. They're not going to tell us unless we ask and press the envelope. And when we do, we get answers. So who was trying to say something there? I, I was, Roger. Um, you, mixed, you mentioned a Telegram group. And also, how would I acquire a copy of your latest, greatest affidavit? Just go. I'll, but Terry, okay. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to give you a point for everybody else. Thanks to Paul. I think Paul's on here with us today. And Paul took the initiative. He's got the expertise and he stuck all this information up on the web about, I don't know, a week or week or 10 days ago. Okay. So all of this plus more is now on a website and as important things come along, we'll get them up there, such as Presley's video that we're, uh, right. Just saw yesterday. Um, and here's the website, Terry. Okay. It's the matrix docs, D O C S the matrix docs.com. There's other interviews up there. There's the files, sample affidavit. There's two documents, how to escape the matrix, how to file a national affidavit. Uh, there's uh, uh, exhibits with things like Downs v. Bidwell and, and that quote from the 1835 case about the passport from the Secretary of State and the fact that that's the highest evidence there is, is having some sort of documentation in possession of the Secretary of State, and that is insurmountable for them unless it's total tyranny and they completely take the mask off that's the only other option and if they do they're going to lose they've already lost the bastards have already lost because this information's out there and they're being exposed on every one of their lies on every one of their vectors they've already lost okay but this is just further confirmation of it because they got no control over you anymore go ahead terry Okay, so, Roger, I was going to tell you there's there's a group of us that are trying to work through this also. Not that we know anything. We're trying to know something. But there is, you know, we all, when we started on this journey, our parents took us down to the post office, and we filled out an SS-5 to get a Social Security card. And I didn't know until recently there is an SS-5FS, which is for a foreign. Yeah. there's Well, Okay, let me stop you right here. This is more patriot mythology. Okay. Social security number has nothing to do with this. Well, I, you know, I was a state trooper in Texas back in the early 80s. Right. I believe that the whole system is based off of what's in that Social Security Administration's documents. Well, it's certainly the, it's a the, tracking. It's a tracking device. But right. I can prove to you from my own personal experience that it's not the nexus to the system on the so on the on the social security application this just came up here on the show the other day there's a question that says are you a citizen of the united states and underneath it it says if not what citizen what country are you a citizen of 
Now, if you're well, you, it, it gives you the option of others. Well, that's right. But here's the point. Then. But the other people, I had some dear friends in Argentina that used to live in the States for 11 years. He was a resident alien, a green card guy up there, worked in New Jersey. He was a machinist. He has when the children were young. They were both born there, so they're citizens of the United States. And they wanted to go back and raise their children in Argentina. So they drove all the way. This must have been in the 60s or something, 70s. They drove all the way from New Jersey down to southern Argentina on the Pan Am highway in a truck with two young children and a 90 year old argentine woman that wanted to go home to argentina to die okay and they when i was still there a few years back before i left they became eligible for social security and they're argentine citizens and they're down there drawing social security every month and the epa os osha none of those other federal agencies come down and ding them Okay, there's no nexus to this system in the Social Security number. I, I, I know people have a hard time getting okay. that out of their mind, but I, when I opened up my Social Security personally, my Social Security account and started drawing on it when I was 62 in Argentina, I submitted my affidavit with the application. So they knew I was a national from the time I opened my account to draw off of it. Then I've gotten checks every month for 11 years. Okay, here's the nexus of this system. The nexus is at birth when they assign you because of your parents are in servitude. They've never volunteered out. And so, therefore, in the feudal system, when they had a child because the parents were property, when they had a child, the child was property. You live in Texas, just like you Texans out there that have got cows and bulls. When they the bulls get with the cows and they have a calf, the calf belongs to the farm owner, right? same principle okay so what they're doing is assigning you this birthright they call it birthright citizen you guys in texas know about anchor babies don't you oh yeah okay well what are they doing they're coming from mexico the parents are mexican nationals because once they have that child on the other side of the rio grande it's a citizen of the united states under the 14th amendment and this birthright birthright citizen concept and now they can go back because they got a citizen in the family and bring the whole damn family over here okay isn't that what they do okay it's that assigning that political status at birth that's the nexus because underneath birthright citizenship is the 14th amendment and that's the feudal system that's how it's being done the birth certificate is not a nexus either the birth certificate is generated after the birth we got this right out of the hospital terry okay in austin so it comes uh, as soon as they can get it done afterwards the birth certificate represents the condition of servitude and the way it does that is behind the birth certificate information identifying your birth is a commercial document that they're using this as called a warehouse receipt okay the warehouse receipt takes on the quality of the good in other words if we're talking about a bale of cotton and you had a warehouse receipt because you didn't want to schlep a hundred pound a bale of cotton around new orleans on the docks trying to sell it you could write this paper that represents the bale of cotton in the warehouse and the paper takes on the quality of the bale of cotton the paper becomes the bale of cotton okay and that's what the the birth certificate's doing how do we know when it's printed by the bureau of vital statistics 
It's put in a bank safe with armed guards 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Now, because that's a warehouse receipt, it represents you. And what they're doing here is they're collateralizing your future labor to be extracted through the tax system so they can pay the bondholders. You know, the bond market is 10 times bigger than the stock market. And they're selling these bonds, and the IRS extracts your taxes, and that is what goes to the coupon holders of the bonds that are financing the day-to-day running of the country. That's how the system's set up. Okay. That makes sense? All right. Thank you very much. Yes, thank you very much. Okay. Well, listen, you and your bunch, you and your bunch are welcome to come on here, and we'll get into any of these technicalities. There is one more important thing, John. I know you're there. There's one more important okay. thing I do want to cover for you, though. Whether either before or after we hear what John's got to say, is I want to differentiate and be able to everybody to differentiate the difference between a national and a non-citizen national, because our people bite on that all the time. John, what were you going to say? Well, for the sake of the um, newer people here, and I, and I brought some of these points up in the past, but uh, I think it, it bears worth repeating because I understand, I, I'm new, certainly, and uh, you know, and I was very careful about the minutia, everything, wanted, that's my nature, wanted to do things the right way, right? Yes. But one of the things that um, is probably somewhere, in, I know it is in your documents, but it bears worth repeating, is that on the outside of the envelope when you do submit what you know we refer to as the naked right. um, affidavit before you put it, it actually enter your the passport application with the affidavit again so that puts it in the file they can't you know throw up on you at that point but anyway so on the bottom left hand corner in the corner of the envelope to put citizenship evidence right Okay. Administrative uh, attention, yeah. administrative records departments also, you know, and, and that routes it. Some people want to send it directly to Blinken. Uh, I, I appreciate that, but I think it might delay it in the routing. Uh, so anyway, just, you know, there's no concrete. There's no manual that we can get from the federal government saying, here's how you get out of our system. I haven't seen them printed that yet at the government printing office yet. Right. Anyway, so I, I in my case, I did put uh blinkenden's name on there okay Mm -hmm. and uh and i got my return receipt card as i mentioned earlier uh two in two and a half weeks that's a that's Uh, amazing because we got people that have waited months and hadn't got them back yet yeah but but here's my take on it especially and and i mentioned this earlier too that on the card i had stamped i want to say like four or five times it's like you know, I don't think it was one person that just, you know, had jitters or something. <laughs> I think it's passed through hands, right? <laughs> it was a Jew and they had Tourette's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But there was the, the majority of the stamps just said, you know, uh, and I'm just pulling from memory here, but, um, you know, it's process, you know, accepted process, accepted process. And, and my theory is this, is that by being sure to put the, uh, citizenship evidence on the outside of the envelope in particular that because if it went they wouldn't necessarily know that this had to do with passports. that's that's exactly right, right. okay that's exactly right and so i my theory is that because of the way it was addressed with the citizenship evidence in particular on the outside of the envelope that th- that bypassed people who did not open the envelope and and at one point one of the stamps read 
that this went into the diplomatic mail pouch and blah 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 something right. else and then in addition there was some kind of a it looked like a postal cancellation stamp of some kind. It had like the world and then all these wavy lines on it now. <laughs> and so I'm not it's exactly sure what all that's about. But that's your ambassador um, at large signification. <laughs> yeah. So I took that as a very good sign that it went into a diplomatic pouch. It's like, ooh, you know, people don't touch this. You know, that's you gotta right. put it right there in the courier's pouch. That's right. So um, that's my theory on it, and, and maybe that's why I got it back. Could be. Uh, yeah, it could be. Uh, John, that very well could be. Yeah. Well, I, just I'm so just you know, to... John, Ramona, yeah. um, Ramona, who had submitted hers, she had the same kind of stamps on her green card, but she did not put on the front of the envelope oh, um, okay. citizen well, evidence. Okay. Well, that's interesting. Okay. So, well, that shoots, was, that, that, that shoots that theory. <laughs> so she did it around the same time that you did it, did it as well. So you got any other theories, okay. John? You want to float? <laughs> well, okay. And now this is one that it's been bugging me for a little bit. Okay? All right. <laughs> is that, um, and I, I, and I have one other point after this one, but relative to capitalization, Right. So, you know, with the use of the term, you know, the United States, the United States of America, uh, the, uh, the citizen of the United States of America and so forth. And certain because every word means something and every capitalization means something. And so, you know, even the, the word state versus uh, capital state versus a small state, uh, you know, spelling lowercase. Um and I was just wondering if you could address that and to distinguish between those things that I brought up. Well, you could just, uh, I'd use the last example of the word state and it's see their, uh, their own internal designations go to Terry. Are you familiar with this policy statement that we refer back to? That's so important. It's got so much information in it. And one statement from the state department, it's on their website called a citizen and non-citizen, a certificate of non-citizen nationality of you, but, come aware of that or heard us talk about it yes i've read that where they don't issue the certificate anymore okay well if you go yes it is and underneath that there's a little i don't know verbiage they put in there i don't even know why they put it in but they yanked out uh some really really key stuff if you know the background you it's very important one of them in the first instance it uses a one sentence statement where they've pulled it from the original legislation was the nationality act of 1940 now that's an organic statutes at large act okay and if you go back and find that in that group of law books you're going to see the heading for the act the nationality act of 1940 and then they've got the very first thing is definitions they got a number of definitions there and the very first definition a is this sentence now they refer to it in that state department document as coming from the immigration and naturalization act but you can tell what they did was they went over and pulled this from the Nationality Act, and they included it in this Immigration and Nationality Act they refer to. They don't tell you that, but that's where it came from. Okay, And so the first sentence reads, a national, notice it doesn't say a non-citizen national. It says a national, and this is on a page about non-citizen nationals. A national is a person owing total allegiance to a small s state. There's your small s. 
And the other thing that's important there is that word total allegiance, those words, allegiance being the key one, because that is half of the formula for jurisdiction, which comes from the feudal system again, protection for allegiance, allegiance for protection. It's a trade. It's an equal. In other words, you're going to come and work for us. You're going to have this farm. We're going to let you keep part of what most of what you raise, and we're going to take part of it, and we're going to give you protection so that you can do that unimpaired and if we get attacked you're going to come to the moat and defend and defend the castle and you're going to give us your allegiance so there's the relationship it is the relationship between a liege man and his liege lord that's feudal okay and you you remember the old movies when you see stuff like that and you see the guy take his fist and hit his chest and he goes yes my liege that's that relationship okay so that is jurisdiction the liege man to the liege lord protection for allegiance allegiance for protection so there's your jurisdiction it says national owes total allegiance there's jurisdiction to a small s state that's the original states if you go down another couple of paragraphs to give you the juxtaposition here they give you the federal states dc puerto rico and the territories and that's capital s so there's the small s there's your state citizen it doesn't call them a non-citizen national it calls them a national okay and it's right there in that policy document. So that's a real key thing. you got to understand the background on this. Again, if you don't know you're fighting the feudal system, you're not going to understand any of that, okay, for the most part. And so that's why we got people going all over the place. And then Mr. Strait, now, look, I don't have anything against David Strait. He's got the namesake of one of my dearest friends I ever had, okay? But his affidavit is 32 pages long. Mine's one page and one sentence. Which do you prefer? One page, one sentence. Okay. So, anyway, now let's go back and explain what this non-citizen is for you. Because we get a lot of our people get confused on this. And the reason for it is because we've got a little more insight than the common person. We know about the 14th Amendment. We know this is slave status. And we know it's called a citizen of the United States. And so, anytime we see that designation, non-citizen national, they go, or your mind automatically, that's me. Well, it's not. Okay, a non-citizen national is a special category that's set up so they can hide the national status behind it. And it's only American Samoans and people born on Swain's Island is a little idyllic island in the Pacific somewhere. It looks like, you know, if you bring up a picture on Wikipedia, it looks like you ought to see Gilligan out there on the beach, you know. But it's only people born in those two, and that is the only territories in the entire federal system which are unincorporated. So they left them with their native culture, which includes ownership of the land. So they have God-given rights. Today, this day, if you have an abortion in American Samoa, you can be charged with murder. Okay, so they use these people as non-citizen nationals to hide the term national behind it. And this is why I think they did it. Not only just for the obvious hiding it, but because they have to use and present this language in the passport application. 
they got to let you know. And so here's the guy that doesn't know what we know, but he's actually taken the time to read the oath on the passport before he signs it. So he starts reading it. I swear under penalty of perjury, I'm a citizen of the United States. And subconsciously he's going, yeah, I know I'm that. Or a non-citizen national? Well, hold it. I don't know what a non-citizen national is, but I know I'm a citizen, and if they can't be a citizen because they're a non-citizen, then I know I can't be that, and I'm not going to go investigate it. If I do investigate it, I'm going to go find its American Samoans, and I'm never going to dig to the second level and see that's where they've hidden the old state citizen. So you see, now you're now you're learning how these guys think, okay? How they plot, how they scheme, and how they set crap up. And when you can learn that about them, you can beat them. And that's what we've done. Does that make right, sense, Terry? Yeah, hold on, John. I want to check with Terry. Okay, okay, Does that make okay. sense, Terry? Yeah. Yeah, that was great. Okay. You, thank. Also, do y'all have a Telegram group? Yes, we do. Who's, who's got? Uh, uh, is it U.S. National? T. Uh, somebody dig that up and 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 give it to the group here. If you would, you talking about Don's group? Yes, Don's group. T. dot USA. National USA, uh, Terry. Words. National USA. Two okay. words. And uh, there's a, a good group of folks. There's all kinds of sample documents, and I don't go over there, but I hear a lot of good things coming out of it, and I really, really appreciate what Don's doing. John, what were you going to add, buddy? Yeah, just one last thing. Uh, again, I mentioned this previously, but with all the new people here, is that now I don't know if it's the same with the current passport books, and, and I've never had the card, so I can't speak to that. But um, the one that I had that was expired over 15 years ago, which I just turned in with my application, that uh, when you open the, the top, the fold with the picture down below, and then if you look at the top, and so if you don't have a passport, ask someone just to look at theirs and just to see what it says and carefully study those four lines. And in, in my case, they were in red for whatever reason to stand out, perhaps. Um, but they they make mention of in the same sentence, two sentences, the word uh, citizen slash national, yep. all lowercase. All right. And also juxtaposing in in two thoughts one says the united states and the other one says the united states of america so right. it's like they're covering yeah. both they're, aspects of it with that slash they cover their ass and unless you really understand what's going on here you'll never see it now the other thing that's important what john said it says right there passports are only issued to citizens of the united states slash nationals note that it doesn't say passports are only issued to citizens of the united states slash non-citizen nationals it doesn't use the identifier non-citizen there okay and that's what they've done here terry is they've got this alternate thing non-citizen national and they can pull that non-citizen preface out of there and use it in other places to fool you and i'm going to give you a perfect example irs publication 519 okay somebody sent that one of these nitpickers going through well it says this here or that there not understanding how these guys think or they do things see so that's why our community over all these years has had such little success because they don't know what these guys are and how they do things 
They don't know the system they're fighting. They don't know how these guys have defended it with all this stuff. I'm going to give you an absolute quintessential example here. IRS Publication 519, and this statement's in there. Now, we just covered a bunch of it. You ought to see this real easily, okay? A national owes total allegiance to the U.S. That's a statement in an IRS publication. So what's wrong with that? It just went said in the other document, a national owes total allegiance to a small s state. Now over here in an IRS publication, it says a national owes total allegiance to the U.S. Well, Jew goons, which one is it? Now, the reason they did that is to fool you intentionally for people that are looking and don't know these behind the scene things. The accurate statement, if it was to be accurate in publication 519, is a non-citizen national owes total allegiance to the U.S. But they pull that non-citizen out and just put national to fool you intentionally. That's who you're dealing with here. that make sense terry roger yes uh if i'm uh, am i uh, have you seen the uh seen presley's video all the way through i i haven't watched it all the way through yet no i'm gonna try to before okay. we do this interview well in there he he specifically mentions that you have to be careful what declaration you make to this to the secretary of state because if you declare yourself to be a non-citizen national that only applies to Samoans, and basically you're giving up both citizenships, both state and national. And this continent, you become a person without a country that will be exported back to Samoa where you don't have well, any citizenship. Status. I'm not sure. I've never heard of them doing that. And here, see, my thought on this is that you can get stuff like that wrong, and they're never going to come back on you. You know why? Because then it would entail getting this pub this information in some sort of a proceeding that could potentially get public, and they don't want this information out here. I think that's one of the reasons that they don't prosecute people that go through Copper Moonshine Stills approach and are told and instructed to check that their parents were not citizens of the United States. Okay, they could come back for them for lying on a passport application, but they don't. I've never heard of it. And I didn't know until somebody that had been through that process told us that one day on the air. But And they take this passport fraud stuff real seriously. I've told the story. When I first started doing this 11 years ago, there was a case out of Florida. It was a retired Army guy. I don't remember his name. He'd served in Guantanamo. Okay, And years before, he had sent in a passport application unsigned. I guess maybe even incompletely filled out. And years later, when he goes to apply for a passport, one of the questions on there is, have you ever applied for a passport before? And he checked no. And he'd been in jail for four or five months and was writing the senator of Florida to see if he could get him out. And he was in jail for passport fraud for that one simple thing. Okay. So, uh, Roger. Yes. Um, you know, it's a felony to say you're a U.S. citizen when you're not, and there is a 100-question test that you have to take in order to become a U.S. citizen. Yes. Uh, I just got an email from somebody that just went through the naturalization process. And uh, I said, could you please come on the show? 
and tell us that and, and explain that process to us and what you had to go through to get naturalized? And I'm constantly having people say, I was born in Brazil, or I, my parents were this, I was born here. And here's the, where the rubber meets the road. All persons born or naturalized. If you were born in the U.S., or you were even born offshore, and even one of your parents was a, was a citizen of the United States, you get that status. Okay, I'm, A good friend of mine just had his first child in Argentina. He's a he's a, a dual citizen actually, uh, and but uh, he had to go down to the embassy in Buenos Aires and register his son's birth. Okay, so uh, that or if you naturalize. Now here's another. Here, Terry, I'm going to throw you something from the reverse of this, and this is kind of interesting. And our our good student Alan is the one that found this, and I'm grateful to him for all he's brought. That whole document. Uh, some of that stuff on that document uh, from the State Department, Alan pointed out to us, too. Okay. But he brought a case in doing his research called Afrahim versus Rusk. Afrahim, A F R O Y I M, I believe is how it's spelled. Afrahim was a Hungarian Jew. He immigrated to the U.S. This back in the 60s. This case hit the Supreme Court. Dean Rusk was the Secretary of State. That's who's the defendant here, okay? And so he brought this case because he had been caught after he naturalized voting in an Israeli election, and they tried to take away his citizenship that he naturalized into. And previously to that, there was some case law that said they could do that. But he went against the grain and filed this. It got to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court says, oh, no, no, no. You can't take away his citizenship, even though he'd broken one of the stated rules. Now, Terry, and I know you're new, but I like to put people on the spot like this. Why is it that they couldn't take away Afrahim's naturalized civil rights, even though he'd clearly broken the rules? Got any idea? I'm not going to waste a lot of time, but I'll just tell you. Because they're voluntary, and the only way Afrahim can get rid of them is to volunteer them away. And he didn't want to give them another country, and they didn't want to tell him he could repatriate as a national because they hide it. So that's the reason they reversed their rolling on that. You can't take away people's rights. they got to be voluntary. They can only give them away. That's why they've gone to all these links to set this system up backwards and to get you functionally illiterate where they ask you those agreement questions. Are you a citizen of the United States? Are you a resident? And you erroneously not understanding all this factual and historical evidence say yes and sign something. So what have you done? When they ask you, are you a citizen of the United States, they're asking you, are you okay with us fraudulently assigning this federal citizenship to you at birth in relationship as a surety to this hypothecated debt? Because they changed the system at the bankruptcy. Okay, And youth, not knowing what they're asking, say, yeah. And then the second question, are you a resident? They're saying, will you please give us your consent to govern you? And you go, yeah. And you sign something. And so now all this horrendous activity that these monsters are doing to people, okay, is all because the people gave them their consent to do it to them. So now we know it's voluntary. Take it away. Take away the consent you've fraudulently given to them. Does that make sense, Terry? Yeah. 
Terry, you there? Did I drive you away? Well, hell, I hope I didn't drive Terry off here. Hey, Roger. Yeah, who we got? Hey, this is Chris out of Texas. Hey, Chris. Two new guys from Texas today. You hear this, Jeff? Well, I've, I've been listening to you for quite a while. I'm uh, I'm an old Ralph Winter Road student. So, okay. Uh, oh, good. So you've heard me over there on Sundays. Yes, I have. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Chris. <laughs> hey, uh, uh, just just to throw a little something in here, um, I, I'm new to your platform, but I'm not new to this process for quite a while. Um, I had to volunteer every year out with Ralph's information. You could do that, but it's very complicated and it's very time-consuming. Uh, unlike what you have. Right. Um, so anyway, um, being called a jury duty, uh, sitting in the jury pool, the judge asked everybody in the pool, uh, were you a United States citizen? And I raised my hand that I was not. He called me to the desk and he said, well, what are you? And I said, I'm a national. And he said, exit my courtroom. Dismissed. Dismissed, baby. Yeah. Yeah. And I've yet to be called back to jury duty after many years. Nor, nor so. will you be. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So uh, one other thing I was going to say, in Texas, uh, kind of getting back to another subject on insurance for the car, uh, you're, you're required to have what's called financial responsibility. It doesn't say insurance. It just okay. says financial responsibility. Okay. And you can go get a bond. You know, you can get a – I think our minimum in Texas is 25000 liability. You can get a bond for about forty-five bucks for twenty-five thousand dollars worth of liability. Oh, well, that's cool. So it's much cheaper to do that, and if you don't want to go through the quote, quote quote unquote insurance, because they will ask you on the insurance a lot of times if you're a U.S. citizen. Well, you got to have a driver's license to get the insurance. I've been told. Do you know if that's right or not? Um, I believe so, but okay. um, and you can get that if you're going to operate in commerce. Still, right. you know, right? A lot of people do, but if you want insurance on your private conveyance. You can just bond for twenty five, fifty bucks, and you have that insurance in the event that something occurs. You and, don't want to be held personally liable. And Chris, that's an annual payment, right? Yes, correct. Oh man, and you're and you're jipping the damn Warren Buffett and the insurance whores out of it. Do it, <laughs> do it. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, yeah, I, I used to do um, construction and and in the medical field, and uh, we had to carry a million-dollar liability, and for like 145 200 bucks a year, I had a million-dollar liability. Oh, wow. and so it's way easier than well, trying to jump through it, the hoops for the interest. It, it beats the hell out of dancing with that green lizard, I can tell you. I promise you. Okay, good, Chris. Well, thanks for chiming in. What part of the great state of Texas are you in? I'm actually in uh, the high ground of Texas. Uh, I'm in the Panhandle Uh-oh. also, so I'm wondering where Terry might be located because I have quite a few people that would like to know about this information. I've been talking to them like you for a long time, and they'd look at you like you've got a oh, third yeah. item. Uh, oh, of course. Yeah, of course. Well, Terry, but, uh, if, is Terry still with us there, or did we drive him off? I hope not. No, I'm still here. I'm, uh, I'm at work. I had to go out and talk to the guys on the rig. Okay. The well, Chris, what town are you in? Well, you know, up I'm, there in I'm the, from... Uh, the home of Buddy Holly. You should know him. Oh, my Lord. Is that right? Well, you know, I used to live in the home of his producer, Norman Petty. Clovis, oh, yeah. Clovis, New Mexico. Good old Clovis, yeah. Yep, yep, sure was. Five years I spent there. Really? Yep, back when I was a puppy. I'm sorry. Yeah, me too. I was too young to know much difference. <laughs> All I knew was my best friend's parents owned the the best Mexican restaurant in town, and we ate over there all the time, and I loved it. So, Yeah. yeah, yeah. Good for you. Hey, Chris. Yeah. 
Somebody's so trying to talk to payment uh, made to. How uh, does that? Okay. Well, this is our old buddy, Bob here, Chris, that wants to know something about your bond approach here. So maybe you can enlighten him. Um, you can actually buy the bond through an insurance company. Oh, um, you can. Yeah, you can buy it through the insurance company, and they don't require all the information uh, for the most part. They they do do require some, but not everything that you would have to jump through on a lot of uh, you know technical issues. Uh-huh. So very interesting. So, Chris, how long have you been messing with this stuff? You sound like you got a pretty good background and knowledge underneath you. Um, close to ten years. Okay, all right. I I did research for Ralph at the National Archives for quite a few years to okay. get documents and stuff pulled out, and uh, I've been I've understood this for quite a while. And uh, back back before it, a lot of things, but of course it's like you said, it's a process. We've always been learning. Um, unfortunately, a, a friend of mine went down and spent three years with the feds trying to you know. Uh, appease them for what they said he did right but um you know so it's been a process and there's been a lot of pain but hopefully no longer i sure get some really heartbreaking emails from some of ralph's people you know that were in the dance and he was helping them and all of a sudden he's gone you know and they got three or four years of federal prison facing them i mean some really fine upstanding people you know and it's just it breaks my heart to see these folks i had a i had an email from somebody last night requesting information she's going can you tell me what form i need to file to get rid of this federal huge federal tax lien on my house i said well i've never known anybody to get out of a tax lien it may be possible i've never heard of it being accomplished and a the lien's not on your house it's on you yeah okay now the problem i had with ralph is well it's just ralph's way of doing stuff and who he was you know and uh he had blinders on and he couldn't see anything that wasn't printed in black letter law and i don't think ralph understood how these people work i'm gonna give you a perfect example one of our listeners here from oklahoma chuck comes on here occasionally and chuck is trying to explain he had a relationship with ralph too so he's trying to explain to Ralph the national thing. So Ralph's answer is to go to LexisNexis or Westlaw, whichever he had there, and run all of Title 26. And his answer back to Chuck was the word national isn't anywhere in Title 26. He, well, that's he true. Very, no, yeah, he, he was very dedicated to language and wouldn't he wouldn't budge if he didn't see it right it was hard to get the concept through to him and, right. and it did frustrate me somewhat but of course i I'm, i was trying to help the process and maybe get through it right um, and of course he's a great researcher yes he was and he's a great man i'm not trying to negate him in any way shape or form okay no but no. if you understand this here's how i approach that okay and i first of all get agreement with somebody so i'm going to say chuck there's only two statuses. You're either free or you're a slave, right? Yeah. And you're going to agree because there ain't no others, okay? Now I'm going to come back and go to 26 CFR 1.1-1A and read you the IRS's jurisdictional statement. And it says, an income tax is owed by all individuals who are citizens of the United States or residents. And to the extent of 871B and 877B, all non-resident alien individuals. So we know who the slave status is. By default, non-resident aliens got to be a national. So how are they using that word? Because people automatically think it's Jose the tomato picker, right? 
So what's Jose the tomato picker doing filing income tax? All right. So the way they're using it is you're a non-resident to the residency of the 14th Amendment, and your state citizenship, national citizenship, is alien to federal citizenship. And that's how they're using it. So that's why you can't approach it like Ralph did and make a whole bunch of really concerted headway. Because you don't know what the enemy is. You don't know how they're setting things up. I think Ralph had been burnt for so many years by so many people that he just, he kind of had a vendetta and he just couldn't, like you said, take the blinders off because he was focused on the target and didn't see, you know, around him too, too far. What he was he a would, great researcher and a great man. Yeah, he yes, he was. I, I miss him too. And I'm very honored to have his slot over there. Okay. But that, and I understand why he did this because he's fighting them on their grounds and they can't come in and say, well, we don't mean that we mean something else when he's fighting them that way. So I understand what he was doing. Okay. And I'm not being critical. I'm being observatory and analysis so that we can use that to our advantage. Because it worked to his disadvantage in my eyes. Yeah. Well, you're you're actually taking it a step further of where he he was trying to go, but he just never got there. That's I'm, right. So I'm glad I found you and 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 understand this because I've tried to do this for a year. I did it on a yearly basis with a statement of of authentication right. stating that I was not a U.S. citizen. But right. you have to do that every year. Uh, well, and what you're doing, a, and you're combating the fact that they want you to file a 1040 every year. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. and you're combating the fact that it's a set-up, schemed, voluntary system. I mean, yep. Do you understand yep. what they're doing here? When you don't file and they send you that letter, hey, Chuck, we haven't received your tax returns for year 2018 and 2019. If you've already submitted them, please disregard this notice. Otherwise, we might ask you to come in and bring in some of your books and records. Now, this is another one of Ralph's failings, and the reason I know this is because of my law teacher, John Benson. I wouldn't know this from Adams off Fox otherwise. Okay? So what is that letter? Uh, I'm sorry. I'm... What, what is that letter that they send you it's, right It's there? an offer. It, yeah, yeah, it's a 90-day letter. It, no, 90-day letters go to tax court. That first one, when you haven't filed, go look. And I want you all to go look this up because I want you to learn, okay? Go look up a term in the commercial law called a confirmatory writing. It's in the specialty section of the Uniform Commercial Code, and it basically is a letter between merchants who are both deemed to know the contents of the writing. And with this particular type of contract, because of that scenario, if you don't automatically deny it within 10 days, it's deemed you accepted it. So what happens when our people get that letter? Where does it go? in the round file now they've got you in a contract at the front end in a voluntary system it's presumptive it's very presumptive okay and everything these creeps do is under an aegis called a presumption of law all right by the way i want to wayne are you on here with us today Wayne's another one of you good Dallas boys out there. Got a, a small, nice group of you guys in the Dallas area. And Wayne dug this guy up. I've gotten an email, several emails from him. His name's Ralph. And he's the guy that is got Al Addis living in his home. 
and he's chomping at the bit to talk to me not al but ralph and so i just haven't called him yet but i will because i want to talk to him and so uh just uh there here comes another one of these guys you know like al Adisk, and al Adisk was the one when i used to be doing shows with him was the one that planted this idea in my mind about the presumption of law i'd never thought of that before okay and this is how they're doing everything paul just said it so they go in and they pull off some fraud like they do a hypothecated bankruptcy and oh well we just happen to have from a previous fraud this status that is the feudal system waiting in the wings and they happen to be property in that system so we'll bring them in excuse me we'll bring them in as sureties for this hypothecated debt and link them in with this system and then we're going to ask them these questions they're going to not understand and agree with and then well they're ours presumption 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 but it's all fraudulent so when you confront them on this that's why they have to recognize it because of all the underlying fraud the first level of fraud when you give them an affidavit comes from that state department document all u.s citizens are u.s nationals so chris did you know you had a dual political status uh, i did you did okay well you're one of the few okay have they ever asked you if you were a national uh, no, only the judge. And then he didn't right. Yeah, and he, he just asked what you were. You told him what you were. Okay. Yeah. So have yeah, you ever been asked? Ask, I told him. That's right. Yeah, he asked me to ask. So, so have you ever been asked, are you a citizen of the United States or a national? Never. Okay. Why not? When they're equal statuses. Well, there's non-disclosure there. It's fraud. That's the first level of fraud they got to recognize, and it just continues to go deep, as deep as the damn oil well that you guys are working on out there. Yeah. <laughs> Roger, if I may. Yes, who are you? <laughs> who are you? Um I'm not in Alice in Wonderland, but Well I know, um, but we like to know I no, like to, I like to address you as that not that girl that just spoke. So is Charlie? <laughs> it's Charlie in Colorado. Hi Charlie. Um I would like to uh, hi. Um I want to thank you by the way for I sent you the email yesterday and you sent me the documents. Um and I had um basically returned back to um what you were putting down from about 10 years ago and it was through that Sarah Westall um uh interview right. that was fabulous by the way. Um I I know the time is ticking down um I would like to at least propose a topic that I might weigh in because I think it's going to take more than five minutes um, for Monday's call. Yeah. And it's regarding um, uh, the um, actual birth certificate not right. being the genesis of our our okay. origin. Right. And I don't want to get off no, into no, the no, weeds. No, 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 let's cover okay. it. Now, you're not off in the weeds. You're right over the target here because this is a lot. This is, okay. you know, here's what's happened to me in our community. And I've been in it 30 years, okay? Long time. All right. And I'm immersed. Okay. And what I think is going on here is because this thing is so skillfully hidden as to what it really is. They've done a really good job of that. Okay. Look, you got to give these guys credit to give the devil his due. Okay. So they've done a very skillful job at hiding this. And over the years, people knew they're always looking for this nexus. What gives that man the ability to make man-made laws and enforce them on me? That's the question. Okay, and that's the answer. Well, the, que the question could be answered. It could be answered with the maxim: "He who creates owns and controls." Okay, well, okay. it can be. And the entities, 
Yeah, and the entity that they created through the birth certificate, which is a false narrative, that's what they own and that's what but, they created and own and control. But you see, the birth certificate doesn't create that. It represents it. Now, I'm going to tell you what we find out. Obviously, you haven't heard this story, okay? One of my real good students is from Texas. He was a four-year scholarship football player, defensive back at the University of Texas. He's fearless, all right? His name's Brian Howard. He doesn't hang out with us too much anymore, but he used to. And Brian is a real aggressive kind of guy, okay? And so he, he finds something. He wants to go confront somebody. That's just his nature, all right? So the first thing that he did was confront the Idaho Transportation Department on getting a non-resident driver's license. I won't go into that story. I'm going to give you the second example here. We can go over that another day, okay? But he gets and moves back to Texas. He went to Idaho, and then he went to Colorado, and they moved back to Texas in Austin. So he gets hung up on this birth certificate thing because he thinks like you just put out there that this is a nexus everybody's always looking for a nexus social security number birth certificate it's admiralty law they got all these theories because they're trying to connect dots and get an answer and with admiralty law it says in the constitution we can have admiralty law they see that in the constitution they think that document still governs them so they automatically connect the dots that it's admiralty law and it's not okay so anyway, that's how I think some of these. And then somebody tells somebody else, and they go, man, that guy knew a lot of stuff. He told me that's what it is. Hell, it's got to be gospel, and they'll argue with you till the cows come home, okay? But here's what's well, going on. Now, let my, me done. My, my, go ahead. Yeah, my motive, um, respectfully, um, Roger, is more of a spiritual conviction. Okay, great. That, like I said, okay, that the um, – the, the, that narrative biologically and spiritually is absolutely incorrect and it's false. It's an error. And, you know, and it's interesting uh, because I've been writing to um, uh, the State Department in Sterling. And I, you know, I did get a passport. I did it uh, as a non-14th Amendment uh, through the um, explanatory statement. Okay. Um, somewhat happy, um, but I've looked back on it. But I wish I, on the DS-11, I never put the birth date on there. And the reason why, like I said, because of my belief uh, that the, uh, the, um, the origin, well, the genesis well, you, of you, the divine spark fertilization uh, yeah. was never born okay. or never died. Go okay, ahead, well, you didn't, you didn't have to put the birth certificate date, your birth date on there because you had to include your birth certificate, a certified copy with that one. So it was right on the, what you gave them. Okay, but let's go back to the process because this is the important part. So Brian goes, he's got two daughters. He goes to the hospital where both of his daughters were born. And he goes in there under the pretense that he's building a file of their important birth documents and early documents so if they could access them later in life and they wouldn't have to go through the hassle of researching and getting them. So he goes in with T-shirt, cutoffs, flip-flops, and he's got his two daughters in tow, okay? So he goes up to the third floor, and he starts hassling the administrative gal, and she goes off and comes back and goes off. And first thing happened was she came out of the records or something in the closet, you know, where they've got files, and she comes out with this piece of paper called a verification of facts. And a verification of facts document evidently is generated immediately when the child's born. And on that document are all the important birth statistics, eye, eye color, hair color, weight, all that stuff. At the bottom, there's two spaces where the mother and father can sign it. And on the one she showed him, it wasn't, it wasn't signed. And we know why it's never signed. Okay, 
And so he keeps asking her questions, and she finally gets aggravated with him. And she goes, look, I'm going to send you down to the basement to the office where all this stuff is generated and handled. Okay, I'm going to go down there. So he goes into the bowels of the hospital. I do not know which hospital in Austin it was. Okay, And he goes down in the bowels, and he goes to that office, and he goes to the counter, and this nice lady comes up, and he gives her the same spiel. I'm building a folder of important documents for my daughters. And she buys it. And so he tells her what he's looking for, and she goes, wait a minute. And she goes off for about 10 minutes, and when she comes back, Charlie, the first words out of her mouth are, you're not going to hold anything I tell you against us, are you? Okay. So here's the process. When the child is born, that document is generated. It's never signed by the parents because it's automatically assigned this political status at birth. They never volunteered out. So the presumption of law is in effect that they're serfs. And when they have another little baby, it's a serf, too. That's why they don't sign it. There's only two ways of transferring political status, either through the bloodline or where you were born. The where you were born aspect is what they're invoking here, and that's how they're bringing the feudal system in. The only body of law in the history of the planet where that ever applied was the feudal system and it was a real important ingredient of the feudal system because this is how they perpetuated the labor on the manor without constantly having to go out and acquire slaves okay so now it's not signed let me finish let me finish we'll discuss okay so now it's not signed it's given over to the person who's in charge of the computer terminal that's put in every hospital by the federal government all that birth VOF information is entered. It's then transferred to the Bureau of Vital Statistics where they generate the birth certificate. And when the birth certificate is generated, get this, Charlie, it's put into a bank safe with armed guards 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Why? It's very valuable. It's because it's a, it's, it's a security. Well, it, well security all right. Uh, this is what I want all of you guys to do because I want you to make this information yours. This is where understanding and confidence comes from. Go to a search engine and put this term in warehouse receipt. Warehouse receipt. I was mentioning it a minute ago with Terry. Let's go back over it. I remember, remember, John, does this name ring a bell with you, Charlie? John Corzine, this senator, governor. Oh, yeah. Okay, remember he, right, was a, right. he was a former Goldman Sachs executive, went off on this political thing, and then he started a company called MF Global where he co-mingled accounts because he got caught in a downturn on Russian bonds. That's what happened, okay? And he went in, and he co-mingled accounts. One of them was Gerald Salente's. Gerald Salente was mad as a hen. I think he finally got his gold back, most of it anyway. So there was a lot of gold, and there was a lot of, uh, of stuff involved in that. Well, one day I open up the computer when I get up, and I'm reading news back when I used to could read better, and it says uh, there's a, a, a commodities trainer from the Chicago Mercantile Exchange, and a big Big headline and story, and he's going, Corzine couldn't have stolen the gold. We've got the warehouse receipt. So what is a warehouse receipt? A 
A warehouse receipt is a who who's who's got that noise in the background with your mute on? If you could either stop moving, those microphones are very sensitive. So thank you. So it a warehouse receipt is a commercial document. It's another one of these funky little commercial Babylonian merchant law documents that they understand how to use it because they're the merchants of the earth and they've been using this stuff for two thousand years. We don't, okay? And so hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm I'm, going to tell you, let me finish and we'll discuss, okay? A warehouse receipt is a piece of paper that takes on the quality of the good. The good that it represents becomes the paper. And then the good takes on a shadowy existence. That's from a 1700 court case. Okay. So it used to be, if you want to use the example of cotton, if you had a bale of cotton in a warehouse, you don't want to schlep it around. They weigh a hundred plus pounds. So you can write this paper. It represents the cotton and you can go out on the wharf and sell the paper and you've effectively sold the cotton, even though it's back in the warehouse. That's what the birth certificate is, a secondary function, because now the birth certificate is the good. Hold on, Jeff. The the birth certificate represents you. That's why they put it in an armed guard safe. And now they're collateralizing your future labor to be extracted by the IRS to pay the bondholder that the certificate is attached to the bond they sold them. So you get you're paying his bond coupon payment with your income tax. That's it's the critical part of this whole system through the tax mechanism to extract your future labor and pay the bondholders who bought bonds 20 years ago that ran the country back then. Okay, okay that, and I just wanted to add to your warehouse receipt, um, which is very valuable, by the way, Roger. It's also used on every um, prisoner in um, federal or state prison in, in, in the jail system. Wouldn't surprise and, me at all. Yeah. And Okay, and as far as the verification um, that your um, gentleman friend um, had done with the hospital, I had found something on evidenceexplained.com, and it basically had said the birth certificate worksheet is permanently retained by the hospital. That's the VOF. So they never get rid of it. That's the VOF. That's the verification of facts. (laughs) That's why the lady could go in the files in the back room and pull it out and show it to Brian. Yeah, because as far as the actual birth certificate that they call, um, you know, uh, memorabilia, um, and, and it can't be used as um, um, identity. Um, quite honestly, I think that is right there evidence of the um, origin, the genesis of um, basically they're leading up to the warehouse where you see. Could be. So to go back to get that worksheet, um, birth certificate worksheet is vitally important. They will say, again, the, hosp- the, the birth certificate is not at the hospital any longer. We'll I tried to do that for my son. Right. Well, see, all that stuff is just extemporaneous because none of it makes any difference. All you got to do is send them an affidavit to the Secretary of State and it negates all that crap. Right. And, and, and again, there's probably a number of people on this call, like I said, that don't agree necessarily with my um, opinion of um, the, the birth being, um, you know, a false narrative. Um, but, you know, again, it, it should not be grounds of having um, a, a passport denied. And that's what I was going to end with, with that 22 U.S. Code 2721, where it said, and I want to read this because this is rather important. 
um, impermissible uh, basis for denial of passports. A passport may not be denied issuance, revoked, restricted, and I love this part, or otherwise limited because of any speech, activity, belief, affiliation, or oh, that's membership. Good. That's very Within, good. That's very good what you yeah. just read us, okay? Yeah, so that 2721. Um, what, what title? <laughs> what title? Excuse me, Charlie. What title and section is that? 22. From? That's title, title, title 20, 22. What section? Uh, no, title 22. 22. All right. Well, that's the title of the section. code. What section? Section 2721. Okay. Title 22, Section 2721. So write that down, you guys, so we don't lose that. That's really valuable, What that verbiage you just read us. Yeah. Okay. So thank you, Roger. All right. I well, now, like, that, my, like I said, the only reason why uh, I was just going to say something is, it, it, it's, it's, you know, the, not saying that they're patenting um, uh, the um, birth certificate, but in, um, as we know, under patents, nothing in nature could be patented, correct? Correct. And if you look at a false narrative through a birth certificate, okay, if it's something other than the baby, then there's something else going on. That's well, it's a, it, it, it is a, and biologically. It's a, it's a entity to whom they have property rights attached that changes everything absolutely and that happens at birth okay see all this stuff right now about roe v wade and abortion you know what the basis of that is you're not a person till you're born when you're in mama's womb you're fair game because you don't have any protections of law as a person because you're not born yet well, again, if you look at Black's Law, change the change of definition of person, I think it's uh, oh, 10th or 11th. Well, hold on. We, are, we can go into a whole show on this, okay? Because this is something I know <laughs> that nobody else in our community, in essence, knows, because I've never found anybody in 30 years that understood it. What is a person, a legal okay. person? An entity to whom the law ascribes rights and duties rights and duties are correlative if i don't receive any civil rights from the 14th amendment i owe no correlative duties i'm not that person in the 14th amendment all persons born are naturalized i'm not that because i'm not that entity i receive no rights from the 14th amendment at birth and i owe no correlative duties case closed yeah, if anybody has an 11th edition of black's law like i said it was changed by gardner because he was petitioned by the non-human rights um organization um and it basically said um that a person is, they changed it has rights or duties right okay they changed it to accommodate this non-human rights organization based on that don't get me wrong what i'm about to say people i'm not human I mean, look, they change all I these definitions. That's why my book is called Government by the Treachery and Deception of Words, oh, yeah. is all this crap we're talking about right here. Okay? Yeah. But, so Okay, I yield. I well, all right. Well, thanks, Charlie. Glad you're along. You come back and bring some of this to us because we have very spirited discussions on this, and it's super important. These are the basics that our people for the whole 30 years I've been in it have never known. Everybody, that's my litmus test for a legal researcher in the u.s give me the concept behind the legal word person 
And do you know in all the 30 years I've been asking people that, nobody has ever answered it correctly? Not one. And almost exclusively, their answer is the same. It's a corporate fiction. And you see, that's where the misunderstanding is. It can be a corporation, but not necessarily. It's not I'm not that person. It's that I, which person am I? It's not Roger. that I'm not that person. It's which person am I? Yeah, Nastasha. Um, I just think it's important that you state your reference because when you do go to Black's Law, um, it um, it emphasizes the corporate. So your your reference comes from um, my reference comes you, from Gaius. Gaius, yeah, that's what I think needs to be stated as well. Because when you do go to Black's Law, you see corporate, corporate, corporate. Yeah, well, if you go to the newer editions of Black's Law, it'll say, "Oh, this term person deserves some kind of special significance because it's mentioned in the Fourteenth Amendment." Yeah, so when you go, like I was in the you know first edition, and so um, and the the predominant definition is corporate. Yeah. entities so, and, and, and so anyway I so yeah i wanted you to state gaius i i appreciate that nastasha i'm gonna just yeah. say for charlie and the other audience's sake i've ever heard this the only person i've ever asked that question that answered it correctly and answered it correctly immediately was my attorney in argentina who was a judge's son okay and the only person that's ever answered it correctly was so, another one of these smart eighteen-year-olds? No, this is, tells me that they teach the real law in some of these foreign countries, and they hadn't been teaching law like that in our country in over a hundred years. That's why everybody's so damn ignorant. Speaking right. of smart eighteen-year-olds, is Presley with us today? Presley, yep. you with us? Okay, no, hey, he's Roger, out. Could I ask another question? Well, you please? better, you better ask it quick. We're about out of time. I, I was wondering if I could get or give my contact to Chris, who's in Lubbock. Uh, Chris, are, can you yeah, go go ahead, give him your phone number or whatever, Terry? Go ahead. Uh, five seven five six three one zero five six seven. Can you repeat it again, real quick? I'm actually from what? Five seven five six three one. Zero five six seven. Okay, everybody, everybody, call Terry now. Okay, thanks, Terry. Glad you're <laughs> along today. Okay, and I'm glad to put you guys together. And uh, we're about to get kicked off the server. Jim Rams always got a replay on Friday, so if you want to stay on the board, the Jitsi board here, it's an open forum, and you can have the meeting after the meeting. I might even hang around with you for a minute today. Okay, so uh, but anyway, otherwise we'll be back on Monday. I'll be on uh, Ralph Renneroot's uh, RBN slot five to seven central on Sunday. I, I really like to open those call phones and get calls from you guys and have this two way communication and conversational stuff. And so we do that over there. And uh, if we get this interview done with Paul, we'll be on something Saturday night on the show he's going to play. So. Uh, we'll have to see, and or you got where people can access that in archives if they miss it. All right. Okay, we just got connected, so doesn't matter if you answer or not. Uh, 